This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's The Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kitchmelides, and Sid Lowe. Hello, Sydney. How are you Hello, doing? Philip. How are you? Not too bad, mate. You know, struggling through. You're a hero. You're, you're, you're a, hero. a hero. I'm a hero. Been a bit under the weather over the weekend, but you know, I'm, I'm powering through. <laughs> um, you, you're okay. You fighting fit? You well, I mean, I'm as fighting fit as I ever am, which is not especially <laughs> fighting fit, but yeah. Good. Okay. All right. Small talk out of the way. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> head on to the uh, Spanish football chat and uh, tell everyone what happened on match day 22. Uh, the Friday night game uh, really underlined uh, the notion that we have to bring back uh, one of our favourite ever hashtags, always watch Betis, because they are back at their brilliant best. They beat Espanyol 4-1, they're third in the table, they're scoring loads of goals, and they are really a fantastic team to watch. Really big performance from Betis uh, on Friday night. Then on Saturday, a huge win for Cadiz at Levante. They won by two goals to nil, only their third win all season. Already something of an impact from new manager Sergio Gonzalez there. Villarreal, uh, there was no Gerard Moreno. He dropped out of the matchday squad just a few minutes before uh, the team was uh, announced. But it didn't matter. They beat a very poor-looking Mallorca side by three goals to nil at the Estadio de la Ceramica. Then there was an absolutely brilliant game at the Estadio Ramon Sanchez Pijuan. Celta Vigo uh, raced into a 2-0 lead against Sevilla before Sevilla clawed it back to 2-2 and he even had a chance to win it as well. Uh, they didn't. It finished uh, 2-2. Uh, and in fact, late comebacks would be a theme of the weekend because Atletico Madrid when one better. They too were 2-0 uh, down at home to Valencia, but they managed to win by three goals to two. Two of those goals coming in injury time. A really, really dramatic finish at the one, the Metropolitano. Uh, then on Sunday, Osasuna scored a goal away from home for the first time in four months. Uh, actually, they scored two as they beat Granada 2-0 at the Estadio Nuevo Los Carmenes. Uh, Madrid also produced a, a late comeback from 2-0 down uh, to draw 2-2 at home to Elche on paper. Not a great looking result, but actually uh, not a bad point for Carlo Ancelotti's side. Uh, Real Sociedad drew 0-0 at home to Getafe. Rayo Vallecano the mighty Rio lost their first home game of the season. They were beaten by Athletic Cluba. Lovely, lovely goal from Nico Serrano, his first for the club. And Barca played poorly and won. They ground out a 1-0 win at Alaves with a late, late goal from Frankie de Jong. Over at our patreon.com forward slash TSFP, we'll have a Q&A pod out for patrons tomorrow, answering all your questions and a bonus podcast out, as always, later this week. Plus, we'll have the second episode of our new TSFP present series, At The Games, our guide to watching football in various Spanish cities. Come and join us. It's around four euros a month. It's really quite good value, I think. Let's go to the talking points from this weekend. And Sid, we'll start from the big game on... 
on Saturday night at the Wanda, you were there at a very cold Wanda Metropolitano to to see an Atletico Madrid who had they've been in free fall really coming into this game. They're two nil down at half time. It's the lowest point I think it's fair to say in Diego Simeone's decade long tenure, and they somehow managed to. To turn it around. Yeah, let's try and put it into context. Obviously, this is a team that had only won once in six in La Liga. They lost four games in a row over December, which is where the the kind of the sense of the the wheels coming off had had really been entrenched. And and, and actually, Simeone post this game was saying, well, we've reacted okay since then because it's a draw and a victory, which is sort of true, I suppose. But they came off the back of a week in which they didn't reach the Super Cup final because they were beaten by Athletic. And they were knocked out of the Copa del Rey by Real Sociedad. But not just knocked out. They were never in the game. They, they were completely mm. dominated by Real Sociedad. And to give an example, uh, the sports paper Ass on Thursday morning, I think it was. It must have been Thursday morning because I think they played, hadn't they, on, on Wednesday night. Um, yes. their, their front page headline was simply Rock Bottom. Um, mm. Simeone then said in his pre-match press conference for this weekend's games he says in the 10 years I've been here we've never been in a situation like this mm. and the way they came out of it was to do something that they've never done in 118 years <laughs> of their entire history which is to be losing going into the final minute of a match albeit you know it's not really the final minute because there's seven minutes added and in fact the clock ran to 100 minutes in the end but anyway they go into the final minute of the match losing in La Liga and win for the first time that has ever happened now I think it's probably worth stressing that while they did win this game in in additional time, they had been knocking on the door a bit throughout the second half. The second half performance mm-hmm. was far far better. Simeone said that at half time, and, and you know, let's put this in context as well. It's not that they're losing two 0 at half time, because you know that can happen. Uh, it's not even that not often, not often, not often, but but, but it, it sort of can happen, can't it? And, and at half time, it's true that they're losing two 0 to the only two shots that Valencia have had. But Valencia have been the better side, and Atletico Madrid have been just dreadful, defensively dreadful. None of the ball, no threat whatsoever. There's one sort of attempted dink, I think, from Luis Suarez, which just floats in the goalie's hands, and that's it. There is nothing else in the whole of the first half, and it's an awful mm. performance. And Simeone says after the game, at halftime, we spoke to the players. He said calmly and without being angry, but directly, he said that, that we can lose, but we absolutely cannot lose like this. Um, without being angry, do you, do you believe No, that? I don't buy it at all. But, but anyway, that's, that's by the by. And, yeah. and the response is really, really good in the second half, to the extent, of course, that everyone then starts talking about this as a turning point. Hmm. Not just in the game, but in, for, the, for the whole season. Well, they need things to turn around because it has not been good. No, and, and of course, this is the other thing. There is a lot to be said about this game. And I must confess, I'm not entirely sure where to start. But let's try and pick up on some of the things. A lot of the talk of Turning Point, I think, responds to exactly what you've just said. The, the, they, they're calling it a turning point in part because they want it to be. In part because hmm. they know they need one. And I really liked Jimenez's response to this post-game. He said, well, it... it it can be. And if we do this, it can be. And what we really needed was a victory. And what we really needed was mm. a victory like this. He said, but we can't just go, da, dali, yes, da. It's okay, it's done. Next week we win with a shirt. Just because we got the shirt on, we, we just win. We need to now follow this through. Because, of course, this is a team that's had one or two turning points earlier in the season as well. This is mm. a team who, when they went and played in, I think it was, it was against Porto, wasn't it? The game that got them through in the Champions League. Yeah. When we thought, thought they were going out, it's like, that's a turning point. Even though they played really badly, by the way, that night. They were really <laughs> yeah. quite fortunate to get through. We saw earlier in the season, 
Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think I would be right in saying that in the opening eight weeks of the season, they came from behind to win five times, I think. Something like that. And certainly they had that win at Getafe when we were all asking, what's wrong with this team? And yet at that point, they were still sort of winning. They were kind of getting out of jail quite a lot. And so you then have the question mark about whether this really is a turning point, which leads us on to the next part of the whole turning point. Is this a turning point if, and this is the thing that Simeone kept saying, if they learn the lessons from this? In other words, it's about that thing we've talked about all season, about identity. Who is it that Atletico Madrid are? What is it that they want to be? And Simeone said something very, very pointed. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the risk of sounding very pleased with myself. I'm going I'm to say this now, which you may not have heard, but it hasn't been in the Spanish media because he said it to ESPN post-game in our, in our flash zone with him. And he said, what, to the question of like, why haven't Atletico been Atletico? And, and tell me what you think about this, particularly in the context of this match. And he said, maybe at the times the manager hasn't known how to individualise which players can transmit what we want, to which I followed up on this. And he said, well, the manager hasn't identified the players who can give us what we saw in the second half. Now, I don't know about you, but the use of words like individualise and identify sounds like he's now thinking, actually, there are some players in this squad that I've been trying to accommodate and I'm not going to do it anymore. And particularly in the context of this game, having taken off Jao Felix and put on a central defender, and it works. I just wonder if that's a little bit of a warning to one or two players, in particular to Jao Felix. Uh, sale tocado, Jao Felix. Yes, yeah, he comes out of this as, as not quite with a finger pointing at him, but a little bit, yes. yeah, A little bit. Um, they were 2 nil down to Valencia, who had had their only two shots uh, on target, uh, go in a really, really good goal from, from Yunus yes. Musa as well. What, what did you make of uh, Valencia and, and, and how did they manage to be uh, awkward opponents to, to Atletico? Well, um, they've tried a couple of things recently and, and they're, they're struggling a little bit. And, and Bordelas made a big thing of this post-game. He actually used the phrase, this team needs help. And if not, we're going to be in trouble. In other words, what you're saying to the club is, buy me some players. Um, yes. But the, the reason why I say this has happened a couple of times, in the game against Sevilla, they went with a five-man defence and three in midfield to try and protect mm-hmm. themselves. This time they were back at 4-4-2, or, mm-hmm. or maybe you could call it 4-2-3-1. I, I don't really know how you would define it. Although, on the one side of the pitch, they're basically doubling up on full-backs. Yeah, with full kicks. Yeah, yeah. And then... A la Getafe style. Exactly. And the thing, that, the thing that I thought was very interesting as well was Yunus's position. And Yunus was, we've seen all season, Geddes playing free through the middle with another forward. This time, the forward is Hugo Duro, who does a load of work. And I really quite like his, his approach to the game. And you had Geddes actually back on the left, albeit coming inside quite a lot and alternating a little bit. And you had Yunus inside. And there's been two mm. games in a row now where Yunus Musa has played inside rather than on mm-hmm. the wing. And I've quite liked him both games. I think there's one or two gaps in his game still, but I've quite liked him both games. And fundamentally, Valencia got the better of Atletico, I think, for two reasons. One, and this was what Simeone said post-game, because Atleti were awful. I mean, Simeone basically said, it's nothing to do with Valencia, which is possibly a bit harsh. But also, there is a competitiveness about Valencia. There is an edge about them. They do work hard. They are well-organised. They do have some limitations, but in someone like Geddes, they have someone that you can release really early, really early, and have others play with him. Um, that said, when they started to make the changes, then, then they paid for it. And I think that, you know, you look at them, and this is a team that have conceded. I don't have the number in front of me, um, but I think I'm right in saying two against Real Madrid at home, three against, Valencia, against Atletico now, three against Valencia at home, uh, away to Real Madrid, was it four, I think? 
They've got the second worst defensive record in the division. Yeah. Le- Only Levante have conceded. There you go. And this is a team that when we talk about the manager, we talk about a team that's defensive and tough and hard to mm-hmm. break down. And they've actually proven to be the opposite. And yet some of those traits of the manager, they definitely do have. You know, they make mm-hmm. more fouls than they ever did before. They, they mm-hmm. tried, I think, in the second half, they actually paid a little bit for trying too hard to just defend to just hold on. And Yunus talked about this a little bit post-game in, in that idea that if they keep on coming, they will eventually catch you. And if you can't step out at any point, you will eventually get caught. Now, that's not always the case, but this time it was. I wonder if a, a fixture in a La Liga season has ever seen two injury time goals in both of its fixtures during the during the campaign. Because you might remember earlier on this, cam, this season at Mestalla, uh, Valencia scored twice in injury time to yeah. draw three three against against Atletico. Yeah. Hugo Duro scoring scoring both of those goals, and and on Saturday we had uh, Atleti scoring yeah. twice in in injury time as well. So this this fixture has been uh, it's been good value. This it season. has, and and this also adds to this idea of if you like the and I I'm, I'm aware that we as journalists possibly overplay this. I'm I'm very aware that I I, I almost certainly do the the kind of the idea of symbolism and the storyline and so on. But but Simeone was saying this as well in that Valencia game. They conceded in the 92nd and 96th minute. They then, um, I believe they then won and drew the next two. One of them was away at Cadiz for 4-1. But that's when they then went on the run of four defeats. So quite a lot of people have been talking about this game as, if you like, the starting point for their mini collapse or their quite big Mm -hmm. collapse, as it turns out. And Simeone himself um, was talking about that when he was asked about their current run in the preview to this game, as well as saying this is the worst moment we've been in, he was said, you know, this is life itself. This is what happens sometimes. And he said, and it starts with us going to them, and now we've got them coming to us. And Mario Amoso used this as well to say post-game, you know, what better game to turn it around in than this one? To kind of, to, yes. It's almost a, a, a kind of a cathartic element to it, if you like. Um, again, you know, that's possibly overplaying it. But when you're in the stadium and you hear the noise and you see the celebration and you, you have that sense of release, I actually think it is more than just a victory for Atletico Madrid. Mm. Every player came back down the tunnel. I'll tell you, here's a, here's a quite a nice way of, of looking at it. One of the Valencia players, uh, mostly they came up the tunnel shouting and angry with themselves and one of them actually, one of them actually kicked the wall hard enough that I'm surprised he didn't break his foot. Um, but another one sat on the steps and waited a very, very long time for an Atletico Madrid player to come to swap shirts with him. By the time that Atletico Madrid player turned, turned up, he didn't have his shirt because they'd all thrown their shirts into the crowd as if they'd just won the World Cup. Um, and that, that's not criticism, by the way. It's just telling you about the, the impact of this. That player then went to the dressing room and got another one for him, which was very nice of him, I thought. Very, very generous. Um, but what I mean by this is that you saw when the players came in that this really, really mattered emotionally, psychologically, whatever, I don't know what adjective we want to use. Yeah, I suppose emotionally and psychologically are the best too. In terms of that sense of, okay, this changes something. But of course, as Jimenez says, for it to change something, you've got to go on and keep winning. It's no good just do it once and then think you're okay again. Hmm. All right, let's move on. There is lots for us to talk about. Remember, as ever, if there's something that we don't mention that you'd like us to talk about, send us a question and we'll answer it on the Q&A pod for patrons. Let's move on and talk about Real Madrid 2, Elche 2. It's funny, this kind of result when Real Madrid equalised in the in the 92nd minute to earn a 2-2 draw, having been 2-0 down with, with eight minutes to go. Nobody's really happy at the full-time whistle. Mm. It's true. It's a kind of a comeback that's a little bit incomplete. I think it's very good for Real Madrid 
in so far as it avoids a defeat, which I think psychologically is bigger than a draw. Yes. But fundamentally, yeah. the point's not very useful. Uh, I mean, it, I suppose it is because Sevilla drew. So it maintains the gap with Sevilla, at least. It, I mean, they would, de- of course, disappointed that they didn't extend it, but at least it didn't actually get cut. Um, it was one of those games. Uh, so I had producer Al sitting just behind me at the Bernabeu. And at one. Lucky you. Yes, very much so. And uh, uh, not least because producer Al was keeping an eye on the failing Wi Fi for me. And he was the one that alerted to me, it's up and running now, so we could sort of start <laughs> trying to send photographs through and stuff. Anyway, they, they, at one point in the first half, it was very quiet in the ground. And Madrid were completely in control, but they hadn't scored yet. And at one point, it sort of said to, to, to Al, sort of, I might even have been at half time. So this is one of those classic non-event games, except of course that for as long as you're not in the lead, that, that Elche scored. Yes, exactly. As long as you're not in the lead, there's a chance that it might become an event if you see what I mean. Yeah. And then yeah. once Elche scored, um, which they had done before half time, they then of course you think actually maybe this is a thing, but you still sort of felt now nah, Madrid will win two one. It's no problem. Then yeah. when Elche scored the second. In which, by the way, Lucas Boyer was absolutely extraordinary. It's an unbelievably good goal. It, the whole thing. It, I mean, we'll talk about Lucas Boyer in, in, later it, because I actually want to talk a bit about Elche. It, but yeah. it's just a, it's just a wonderful goal, and it's two 0 At that point, you think, well, maybe there is a game here. Of course, you then add to that the fact that Benzema is, has missed a penalty and is forced to go off injured, and you start thinking, is this one of those games where Madrid mess it up where they shouldn't? And in a way, I suppose the the, the Final conclusion is not exactly because they did find a way back in and that will be useful to them and all the rest of it. But of course, this is still two two points dropped. Um, are we are we even talking about Eden Hazard? Is there anything to say about him? He started having got this dramatic winner against Elche um, in the Copa del Rey a couple of days before and then didn't. No, I mean the you know the I can't really okay. think of anything that he did. well. There's one thing that he did, which was of course to go down for a penalty, which was given and then taken away by VAR. For, w- yeah. for which I was very pleased because it was a ridiculously soft penalty and I'm glad that VAR, because normally in those sort of circumstances, VAR just says, no, we can see contact, therefore it is a penalty. But actually I had this explained to me last night by a referee that that's because they weren't looking for the contact that I thought they were looking for. They were looking to see the strength of the push in his back and they decided it wasn't a push in his back, it was just a hand. But I still think that's, you know, under the way that they've been applying it, while well, I can see the hand, therefore there's contact, there's a penalty. I like the footage of Hazard. I don't know if you've seen this. The camera catches Hazard talking to the Elche players and they're sort of having a go at him. And he's basically saying, what are you having a go at me for? I didn't ask for anything. I'm not saying this is a penalty, um, <laughs> which, of course, it wasn't. Um, so, so, no. It's true. He did not appeal. He didn't appeal at all. And he didn't ask for it. And he didn't chase anyone or anything like that. And when the Elche players were confronting him, he was sort of shaking his head and shrugging and saying, look, I haven't asked for anything here, lads. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not trying to get anything off you. Um, yeah. And I suppose, in a way, that nothing very much happened sort of sums up his game. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, not that much happened from a Real Madrid perspective, although they did manage to find a, a way through an Eda Militao with a, a really towering header mm. and a brilliant, brilliant cross from Vinicius Junior as well, who without Karim Benzema, it is all about him in this yes, team. Because is. Otherwise, there is not too much spark in that final third. But Eda Militao, towering header, a la Sergio Ramos in the 92nd minute to, to rescue a point for, for Real Madrid, who stay top. Uh, we haven't really spoken about Elche much Mm. on the podcast this season to be fair they haven't given us much reason uh, to do so but we we do now because Lucas Boyer is is turning into a really really good striker and I have to say Sid I didn't see this coming to be honest I know you didn't because when I said something about how I liked him quite a while ago now you were like oh I don't really see it um (laughs) 
He's ah, yeah, that's very charitable of you. I think I said words <laughs> that were not repeatable. But yeah. Um, okay. I I like him. I think it is true that yesterday there were times when he would do the hard bit, which was to hold the ball and get hmm. rid of the defenders on his back in a way that was extraordinary. I mean, there were times yesterday he thought, you know, who he reminded me of a little bit, Freddie Canute. Ooh. Canute might I mean yeah. he doesn't have the elegance the sort of grace of Canute but I don't think I've ever seen a player as good with his chest as Canute and yesterday mm-hmm. what Boyer did with his chest all game long was incredible every ball however hard it was hit at him however far away it was hit from he seemed to be able to bring it down on his chest hold people off every time turn away from them and keep possession it is then true he would occasionally then overdo the kind of if you like the the second or third stage of that and then give the ball away mm-hmm. again. And there were a couple of times yesterday where there were brilliant touches and he would get away from the first event. You think, okay, now you knock the port pass to someone else and then the move continues and then actually he'd lose it. But there were the, the, a lot of the, his link-up play was just fantastic. And the, the assist for the goal was a step one way to go between two defenders. And then what we didn't realise in the ground, obviously we realised the end result, which was a very nice pass to the outside of his foot to put Pedamillo in a good shooting position. But you watch the footage of the replay and he did the Michael Laudrup as well. He looks the other way and you actually do see, and I must confess, I can't remember which one it is, one of the defenders go with his look. Only a fraction, mm-hmm. but just enough. Um, and, and I thought he played really, really well. And of course, he's scoring a reasonable amount of goals. The header was very well taken. How many goals he's got? got? Seven I think goals. it's seven, isn't it? Right, yeah. yeah. Seven in 17, which is as many as he got in the whole of last season. It's his best ever scoring uh, campaign. Uh, if you look at his scoring figures, uh, you'd be very surprised how he even managed to get a a move to Europe. Yeah, yeah, his scoring figures are awful. Awful. Yeah. I mean, he scored. he never scored more than a goal. Uh, in Argentina for with the respective teams that he played. Then he managed to move to Torino where he didn't score in 30 Serie A appearances, didn't score for Celta Vigo, did score six goals in the in the Greek Super League for AEK Athens, which is, you know, it's, it's pretty tough. Then he went to Reading, didn't score in the championship. But now with, uh, with Elche, he's, he's doing sensationally well. And he's only 25 as well. Yeah. It feels like if he continues doing this at the end of this season, he's going to be being looked at by a next-level up La Liga team. Well, I'll tell you what, is he this season's Rafa Mir? Yes. There probably there's pro- probably like. is a, a yeah. parallel there, isn't there? And, and so maybe someone like Sevilla does look at him. Um, mm. He, as I say, I mean, it, but it's not really the goal scoring, is it? it's the all-round play, it's, the, it's the, the willingness to hold it up. And, and there were times yesterday where, where, I mean, genuinely, he would have two men on his back and they mm. couldn't get round him to the ball. But that's mm. with the ball in the air. That's not once, he, once he's got it under control and he can plant himself. That's with the ball mm. coming. Um, and, and he was, yeah, he was brilliant yesterday. Yeah, uh, well done to Elche for their point. They'd never won at the Bernabeu, ever. They've never won a game at the Bernabeu and they were very, very close to uh, to doing so. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, Barcelona and their game at the Estadio Mendizorroza against Alaves. Finish 1-0 to Barca. It was... The worst game since Xavi's taken over? Well, I mean, you just said, let's talk about it. And to be honest, my response was, let's not. I mean, it was... It, right. was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was... It was it was, bad. It, it, was, right? it wasn't very much fun at all. It's a very nice goal in the end. It's very nicely done. It is, a really, yeah, really, yeah. really nicely played ball from Jordi Alba. Cushioned 
a sort of volleyed layoff from from Ferran Torres and, and Frankie de Jong scores. I quite liked Frankie de Jong post-game, um, him saying, no, I'm not happy mm. with how I'm playing, but it's not a disaster. And he said, people will say I played well tonight because I scored, but it doesn't work like that. Sometimes it feels like people aren't watching the games. To be honest, if the games are like this, they're not much fun to watch. Um, it wasn't great. Xavi, I mean, to be fair to Xavi, and lots of people have kind of attacked him for this, he was saying, well, it's a really important win and the most important thing is to win. And people are saying, oh, that's not what you used to say. That's not actually quite true. He was always a competitor, okay. but it is true that he, he adds an extra element to it or extra dimension, if you like, and he's very, very wedded to a style. And I think he is trying to impose that style. I don't think this is him turning his back on it. I think it's him, it's him not being able to, to achieve the, the, the football that he wants just yet. Um, he talked a little bit about the pressure on players. Um, he was that comment about how the shirt is 20 kilos heavier at Barcelona, which I think for some of the young players, that could be true. Although actually, you watch the young players and they're the ones who don't seem particularly weighed down by it. Um, hmm. uh, Jordi Alba was then very Jordi Alba post-game, very prickly and, and said, basically, people have been out to get me for ages. Some of what he's saying is sort of true. He said, but you know, you talk about veterans. People have been saying this about me for five years. I was 28 then. I wasn't a veteran at that point. Uh, but it does say something that he feels like everyone's been on his back since he was 28 uh, and that he carries that with him a little bit. You can see that. Oh, he, he does. does he he that. very definitely does. Yes. Yeah. Which, by he the way, is understandable. I mean, you know, I've often said that I'm amazed the amount of crap that players put up with and, and actually quite uh, most of the time don't react. So when a player reacts, mm. although, you know, it is true that you're gut reaction when a player talks like that sometimes is to kind of go oh, get out of here but actually you know given the pressure they're under I'm I'm surprised that more players aren't sort of I don't know is the word embittered by it maybe it is uh, a, a bit embittered by it uh, a little bit uh, there's a big big game next weekend well not next weekend the one after the yeah. weekend after the in the battle for fourth Atletico Madrid against Barcelona. Yeah, it is. It is really, literally, uh, the battle for fourth because Atletico Madrid are currently fourth. Barcelona one point behind them. To put and to put it into context, by the way, Barcelona had they lost to Valencia. So, in other words, going into additional time, sorry, not Barcelona, Atletico had they lost to Valencia. Going into additional time, they were in a position where this weekend alone, three teams could have overtaken them, and mm. two more could have put themselves within a point of them. So, you know, this, this tells you that that fourth place fight is very open. But I must admit, I can't help feeling that the way you've presented next weekend's game is right. That ultimately, despite everything, we might see Barca and we'll see at least one of Barca or Atletico get one of the places. Maybe Betis will hold on for the, for the other one. Maybe they will. Uh, we're assuming that Sevilla will uh, hold on to second spot at the very least yeah. as well. Ah, Sevilla. They had a real chance this weekend. And of course, in midweek, when they, they drew with Valencia, they've drawn again with Celta, having last weekend got knocked out of the Copa del Rey. It wasn't a brilliant week for for Sevilla. I mean, it was a thrilling comeback and it was a fantastic game to watch as well. Really, really exciting. Really, really enjoyed it. But is this why games like this that they ultimately probably won't challenge for the title? It does feel... It's only four points. I know, it's that's, only four that's points. the thing, isn't it? And, and you were trying to tell me this last week when I was almost throwing in the towel on their behalf. Uh, and, yeah. and obviously, we'd just seen the fact that Real Madrid have dropped two points. And so that's, a, that's an indication. So obviously, this weekend, things remain the same. But from Sevilla's point of view, I wonder if it's slightly better, if only because they've seen a vulnerability to Madrid that maybe they didn't anticipate, even if they've seen their own. Um, and that maybe that says, you know, we don't have to be perfect between now and the end to be still in it. Whereas, whereas if you see a Madrid team that wins and wins and wins and wins, maybe you start thinking, you know what, this is beyond us no matter what we do. Um, mm. 
I I must admit, I'm with you in that I, I sort of feel like there's something that Sevilla just stop a little bit short on. We'd said before that we felt that when they got to the same number of games as Real Madrid, they wouldn't have won all the games in the meantime. And that turned out to be the case against Valencia. But, you know, it's away at Mestalla. It's not a bad result by any means. And yet that said, they did have it in their hands in the first half and it slipped away from oh. them. And this time in the comeback, they had it in their hands in the second half and didn't quite get there. That said, 2-0 down against Celta, the reaction is a really good one. And that may strengthen them. And I think they've been very conscious. Uh, and again, apologies if I'm repeating myself because I think we may have said this last week. That, that this was a month to get to the end of. If you see what I mean, because they knew they were kind of running on empty. They knew that they were playing with basically a thirteen-man squad for a lot of this month because of the number of injuries and suspensions and 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 COVID positives. I think it was ten players had been missing the week before. Uh, I don't know how many it was missing this weekend. I must confess. Um, Tecatito has now turned up, of course, as a as a backup. There might well be a couple more signings. Um, Julian Lopetegui himself had COVID this weekend and wasn't on the bench. And so I think there is a feeling that this is about resistance. And so I suppose the question mark becomes. How do they react and how do they feel emotionally when they come through this spell? And also, at what point do they believe they've come through this spell? In other words, does it take a certain number of players being available to feel like they've come through this spell? Does it maybe take this international break and sort of 10 days of just working on just the way they play to feel like it? Does it take the end of the Copper Africa for, for, the, for the African players to come back, for them to feel, right, we've come through it now? Because, of course, it's not just any old players. It's Nisiri. And it's Bono, and obviously, to a lesser extent, it's Munir. Uh, is there another one? I feel like there's a fourth. I think it's only three, isn't it? I think it's only three. Um, and so, that's, that for me is the question. is When do they think this period ends, and how do they respond when that moment comes? Copa Africa, also known as the African Nations Cup. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's very, very Spanish. I'll Spanishified everything now, even the African Cup of Nations, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, they've got no European football as well, Sevilla. No European distractions. Well, that might be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Except, well, oh, hang on. I mean, they've got no European distractions. Wait, they've got no Champions League European distractions. They've got no Champions League European But the Europa League, I think they will yeah. take seriously. And the Europa... You reckon? Yes. And I think the yeah. Europa League... Okay. Uh, they've got an eminently winnable tie as well. Yeah, but, but be careful with this. They've, the Europa League, um, they will take seriously. The Europa League... In theory, at least, there's more chance for them to stay in it longer. So, in theory, at least, there's more chance for them to end up playing more games, not less. And mm. the Europa League has a round more than the Champions League has between now and the final. So, true. it's yeah. possible that the Europa League actually is detrimental rather than having the benefit of being out of the Champions League. I almost wonder if it might have been better to just be knocked out completely. But then you can yes. never talk with hindsight. And, you know, if they go on and win the Europa League and that's their way back into the Champions League next year and it's Sevilla winning the Europa League, their competition, and the final is in... Uh, it's, in it's in their own stadium. It's in their own stadium. And so, yeah. you know, this might be wonderful. So, so yeah. maybe we shouldn't look on it as a curse. In fact, I think, I think we definitely shouldn't. But it, it could be detrimental in La Liga. OK. Uh, I feel it would be remiss of us not to talk a, a bit about Betis, given how they're absolutely yeah. flying as well. But as always, that Friday night game seems to get a little bit forgotten, it, doesn't it? It does. By Monday, it feels like a long way away. Yeah. It also feels like, and I'm going to speak for myself now, but I think I speak for, for possibly for all of us and certainly for a lot of people. It's kind of the one night where you think, you know what, I don't need to think about football tonight. <laughs> And I, no, no, I don't think you speak for everyone, Sydney. You might speak for you and me who do Spanish football all the time. That's but true. The majority of yeah, people, yeah. majority of people listening to us are like, oh yeah, Friday night football. I did. Decent. I did watch the last <laughs> uh, 
40 minutes. I turned on about five or six minutes into the second half and I watched the rest of it. And they're lovely to watch. And by the way, the assist, we're talking about the Lucas Boyer assist. The assist from Sergio Canales for the, for the Borja Iglesias goal is, is gorgeous. Woof, woof. They're, they're, yeah, it really yes. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're playing really well. They've got an exceptional uh, front four. They've got a very good double pivot in midfield as well. And uh, they're just a, a super team. Maybe we'll, we'll dwell on them a bit more uh, next week. Uh, before we go, uh, in the Segunda, uh, the weekend began with a... No, no, no. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> that is why, by the way, <laughs> I only watched... It began some... with a 4-0 defeat as, for Oviedo. That's why, by the way, I um, only watched some of the Betis game because I started with the Oviedo game. Um, I, yeah. I got to that slightly late, by which point we were already a goal down. And then, I'll be honest with you, at half-time, I just thought, oh, forget this. I can't. I'll watch Betis instead. Uh, they lost 4-0 at, uh, at Tenerife. Uh, elsewhere, Las Palmas lost 3-2 at Fuenlabrada and coach Pepe Mel was sacked on Sunday. The Paco Hemeth effect continues wow. at Ibiza. They won 5-0 at Malaga. Three matches, three wins, 13 goals <laughs> scored. Uh, they're four points off the playoffs, they're, Ibiza. They're, this is extraordinary. They're brilliant. I, I can get cocky here as well and say this weekend I saw four games. I saw a 7-0, a 3-2, a 2-2. I didn't expect the 1-0 at Rio to be the least goal-scoring of the games I went to. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did. You did uh, have a good weekend in terms of uh, uh, goals. Uh, leaders Almeria play third place Eibar uh, tonight. And uh, also before we go, we have to mention that in the Supercopa Femenina, Barcelona beat Atletico Madrid 7-0 in the final. Caroline Graham Hansen with a hat-trick, but the biggest news to come out of the game was uh, Virginia Torrecilla coming off the bench for Atleti, making her return almost two years after being diagnosed with a brain tumour. So great scenes for uh, for everyone, really. I was going to say for her, but for everyone. Yeah, and the scenes, the scenes were lovely as well. I mean, you have seen yeah. that basically she's sort of celebrated by Barcelona's players. They, they, they give her the bumps because, of course, she used to play there. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really pretty special. Absolutely. Uh, that's it for this week's edition of TSFP. If you'd like more Spanish football content throughout the week, come and join us at Patreon. The fun doesn't stop there. Q&A pod tomorrow. Bonus pod on Thursday. TSFP presents on Friday. Producer Al's paper reviews every single day. Oof, there's loads of content. But if you don't want to join us, it's all right. It's fine. Won't hold it against you. We'll be here on Monday as ever next week. Adios. Cheerio.